0: Welcome to Sacred Exploration with Lisa Tremont Oda. Are you making the most of your experience as a spiritual being in physical form? Do you want to live with greater levels of peace and integrity? Today, Lisa and her guests will help you discover, uncover, and recover what's missing in yourself. Now, here's your host, Lisa Tremont Oda.
1: Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Lisa Tremont Ota, and you are listening to Sacred Exploration, where today we are going to explore the sacred in animal rights activism as a, as a uh, means of promoting a more vegan lifestyle. Today, I have with me two guests, Riley Gardine. Riley is a student of nutrition. She's a personal trainer, animal rights activist, and has a passion for health. They will be graduating in the spring with a B.S. in dietetics from UC Berkeley and has internship experiences studying organic agriculture, whole food nutrition and nutrition research. Riley plans to go on to naturopathic medical school after graduation, where they hope to learn traditional and holistic healing practices. They're also a certified personal trainer devoted to helping clients achieve their best selves through functional fitness techniques that encourage body positivity, regardless of fitness level. Briley has been vegan for over six years and emphasizes the importance of plant-based whole food nutrition. She is part of the Imperfectly Vegan nutrition team. And what I love so much is that they stress the need to include the animal's perspective when discussing nutrition. Welcome Riley to the show.
2: Hi Lisa, it's great to be with you here today.
1: Thank you so much for all you do. And I also have with me today, Robin Housley. Robin is an activist for the DXE, Direct Action Everywhere movement and the SAVE movement. He is the organizer for Anonymous for the Voiceless and helped started up the DXE in St. Louis. Housley has spent 20 hours inside a cage for animals and then got a citation which led to 70,000 plus uh, views on Facebook. So that was a very effective effort. He is a rights activist for houselessness, has lived in an anarchist encampment for five months to fight for free housing and food. Robin started an organization called East Bay Fruit Save that collects wasted fruits and veggies and delivers them to houseless activist. He recently moved to Berkeley in January 27, which I imagine feels like home. Mm -hmm. I like to joke as a nutritionist, we talk a lot about oxidative stress, which is the result of free radical damage. And when I I give my talks about free radical damage, I remind people that the original free radical came from Berkeley. (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Yeah, so today we are talking about veganism, of which both of you are. Vegan or imperfectly vegan? Yes. Yep. Okay. Terrific. So that makes three of us. And what I have noticed in my journey is that people come into a plant-based lifestyle for different reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, For myself, for example, it began out of health concerns. Mm -hmm. Um, At a young age, I had high cholesterol uh, due to eating habits and my genetics And so it was really about lowering my cholesterol, reducing my saturated fat, of course, which primarily comes from animal-based foods. Mm -hmm. But over time, especially as I studied spirituality, Mm -hmm. um, what really grew in me, I I had an image, actually, I went through a meditation, and I had an image of being pregnant with the earth. And I was connected to the earth with this cosmological umbilical cord that both nourished and removed waste. And as I meditated on that image, it really became clear to me that what we eat directly impacts the environment. Mm -hmm. And so then my motivation around being plant-based was really focused on the environment. I wasn't concerned about it in my health anymore because my health improved Mm -hmm. (laughs) as I became plant-based. And interestingly, it's, it's the animals that... Were the last thing that I actually considered. I, I do love animals, but I'm not a huge animal lover. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, in all honesty, has been a fairly recent beginning for me. And um, I'm very interested to learn more. I find that young people, really young people like kids, 10 year olds, 15 year olds, mm-hmm. that they tend to start off being vegan because of the animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. because they love the animals and they see their abuse and so that's their primary reason. True. And then the most startling aha that I've come to is that it doesn't really matter if people come to it for health reasons or the environment or the animals. At the end of the day, it's the animals that are spared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. yeah, it's so obvious now, but it, it, even to me as a nutritionist, it was not that clear for, for so long. Yeah. So... Maybe we can begin. I would be curious to have you share with our listeners how each of you, what your journey was towards plant-based eating.
2: Yeah, well, I can go first. So like you said, you know, children tend to have this connection to animals that I think is so socialized out of us. So at 10 years old, I went vegetarian because I thought pigs were cute, you know, to and a, web. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They're adorable. Why would I want to eat somebody that I thought was adorable? Um, You know, and then as you get older, you do more research, you learn about different industries, you learn about the health aspects of what you're eating. So, you know, I went for the animals and then I went vegan because it was healthier. Um, So again, you know, you're connecting both of them and not long after you get into activism because you kind of learn that me not eating animals personally is sometimes not enough. And I wanna help other people learn that there's other ways of eating that can save animals instead of, you know, contributing to their suffering. Mm-hmm. And to the point that you're actually
1: pursuing your degree in
2: nutrition. Yeah, because I also, you know, you want to, you talk to a lot of people, I'm sure, as a vegan who tell you that you're going to be malnourished or that you don't get enough protein. And, you know, now with a educational background in nutrition, you can tell them that, you actually have more authority on nutrition than they do, mm-hmm. and you can absolutely be your healthiest self while leaving animals off your plate.
1: Well, you're even you're a personal trainer, so you you even help people to build
2: muscle mass oh, and yeah. be on on a vegan diet. The world's strongest man currently is vegan. Uh, the Iron Man champion, vegan.
3: X Mystery Universe.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Some of the top people in their respective fitness fields are actually vegan and more and more athletes are turning to veganism because they realize it lessens your recovery time Mm -hmm. you know you have higher performance so
3: so So many many good reasons reasons. Mm -hmm.
1: i love that and robin how about you
3: um for me it was the big thing that got me into researching veganism and like um wanting to find something better was what happened to my grandparents and my grandma was actually she had breast cancer and then she ended up passing away from a series of heart attacks and she had you know high blood pressure and diabetes and um she was just really eating unhealthily and you know just sitting around all the time and my grandpa was uh you know just gone all the time on oxycontin and and just bedridden and i was just like this is not like the life that you know a lot of people have gotten in mind, like whenever you get old, oh, you just deteriorate away and you're bound with this horrible sickness and you got to go to the hospital and you're going to get arthritis. You know, that's just inevitable. And I was just like, no, that's not inevitable. Like, I know that there's a way that we can figure out something to like not die, because I know that that's most likely not the norm and that there's something within our society that has caused this to happen. And um, that really got me into like the pharmaceutical industry, a couple other industries that led into the food industry. And I actually started from watching Forks Over Knives.
1: Mm, right. Excellent and documentary.
3: So but they don't mention the word vegan in that at all. So I had actually like watched it and I was just kind of like, OK, yeah, like eat healthier. Like that's what you need to do. But then once I just once I actually like looked up the word vegan and like started doing research on veganism itself and like getting the whole expansion of that. It was just like, it made all perfect sense, you know, and I'm just, ever since then, which was May 16th, 2016, that day.
1: So fairly recently.
3: Yeah, not that long ago.
1: And then did you pursue the animal rights activism after that?
3: Yeah, so went vegan in May and then started activism in August. Yeah.
1: Wow. Okay. So you've been busy. Yeah. Because you've got quite a following with direct action everywhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Tell us more about that. What, what does that look like, animal activism?
0: Um,
3: well, for me, I'm on the protest team. And so what we do is we just um, organize all the protests, like the day of action where we have um, around, on average, like 80 to 100 people um, at the event. And then we do like tier one protests, which tier one is just, you know, no risk for arrest, no risk for um, potential risk for arrest, but it's very, very low. Um. So something like going to a grocery store and holding signs and doing a speak out in front of like the meat counter or um, the dairy counter or anywhere that is any in front of any product that is exploiting animals for whatever um, subject you're doing the protest for. Um,
1: and that would be a risk for arrest because you're on private property
3: or yeah, yeah so it is private property um technically once somebody comes up to you and says you know you need to leave mm-hmm. and we don't leave then at that point you're now trespassing okay um so there's potential for arrest for that but in Berkeley the free speech is is pretty big so right. um, <laughs> they don't really do anything in Berkeley it's pretty safe um which actually it's you know, we're Berkeley is pretty pri- privileged to be able to do that because in a lot of places, you know, you go and you protest inside stores, and it's like inevitable that mm. you know someone's going to be either violent tone and words or violent physically. You know, okay, you know? but even violent physically, and Berkeley has happened a few times too. And we've had activists arrested just on a regular tier one protest. But.
1: Okay, and then tier two,
3: tier two uh, would be like going to a paid event. So. Um we would be going past a ticketed. So they'd be asking for a ticket and we all basically just ignore them and we go in and start doing the I protest. See.
2: Or, okay. yeah. for example, I participated in an action where we actually ran onto Dodger Stadium uh, during a game. You know, so and then you're tackled by we security signed. guards and you have signs, mm-hmm. you know, with your message and that's another example. We want our activists to be fully prepared. For situations like that, mm-hmm. so that they don't respond violently mm-hmm. towards right, anyone. Because they're else. trying to protect animals exactly. and the cruelty against animals. Because so. our whole message is we want to be nonviolent right. with exactly. other humans and with animals. Mm-hmm.
1: Makes sense. Sentient beings. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Are there any other tiers?
3: Um, there's a tier three. So it is a planned arrest. So it would be something like, um, well, potentially like disrupting a politician or a CEO. Um, Sometimes, um, depends on what the action is itself. Most of the time, um, I went to one CEO disruption and there was no, well actually I've been to two, and there was no arrest at all, but it's always a potential possibility. Um, So something like going in during the forum, did you hear about the forum at all?
1: No. Um, It
3: happens every May, but it's actually, the one coming up is called the Animal Liberation Conference. um, And there's usually a tier three protest for that. And we went to San Francisco slaughterhouse and walked into a slaughterhouse and rescued six hens. And Wayne Shung, one of the co-founders of DXC, got arrested. So uh, he planned and arrested. So technically that was called a tier three.
1: And they take them to an animal sanctuary then?
3: Yes. Yes. Right. Those
1: are really on the rise. Huh? Is that right? Or yeah, is it, that just that I'm hearing about them more? It may be.
2: There are yeah definitely more and more sanctuaries. There's also a movement for micro sanctuaries which is individuals and households maybe making some space in their backyards, Mm -hmm. or I know in my house we've had a room devoted to a couple animals that we can rescue for a little bit, just to show that you don't have to be a huge sanctuary with acres and acres of land in order to actually take in rescued animals.
1: Well, that leads to a vegan point. Actually, that's a good time to introduce the imperfectly vegan term Mm -hmm. uh, for those who haven't heard of it. it. And the idea is that you don't have to be an absolutist vegan in order to make a difference. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, if all of us, 10%, I'd like to see us do much more than that. But we know that if everybody mm-hmm. on the planet cut back their animal consumption by even 10%, we would make huge changes and differences. Um, still wouldn't be enough for the animals. Um, it could make a difference for the environment. Um mm-hmm. But do you have any, can you share your thoughts on the term imperfectly vegan while we're here?
2: Well, I think for one, we do live in a society where perfection is impossible, Um, should not strive for perfection, because you're never going to reach it. And just the opportunities that we have too for, you know, whole foods, vegan foods, you know, it's not necessarily doable for everyone. And I don't think you should tell yourself that it's an all or nothing approach you do what you can, you know, to the best of your ability and you feel good about that. And at the end of the day, you're okay with yourself and you're proud of what you've been able to accomplish because you're out there and you're trying and you're doing your best to make a difference.
1: Yeah, it opens the door. I just love thinking of it as an invitation, that we're really extending an invitation to everybody to participate in this movement. And just as people come into Veganism through different modes, whether it's health or the environment or the animals, um, we also can come into it to different degrees. And and throughout our life, there may be different degrees, but allowing for that will at least maintain some sort of consistency, which is really where the difference is going to be. Does the term resonate with you, Robin, or what are Um, your thoughts?
3: Some of the thoughts that I was having... Was yeah, like direct action everywhere who I organized for, um, they don't even push for anyone to like be vegan or vegetarian. They okay. mainly just focus on empowering people to stand up for animals. Hmm. So we know that, you know, pretty much everybody in society, there's a very small percentage of people that would answer no to this, you know, like like yeah. are you for or against, you know, animal abuse? And so people are gonna be like, you know, no. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not, I'm am against animal abuse and we would just want people to align their actions with the morals they know they already have. And so, um, and you know, standing up and just publicly stating and like doing activism and stuff, uh and veganism would kinda like follow right after that because if there's someone who's, you know, going to a grocery store or going to a different event where animals are being exploited and they're standing against it, you know, they're gonna it's really gonna i think it would click really fast for them and they go home and then they're like well i was just at this place protesting it and then like i'm gonna turn around and then buy it you know that doesn't make sense at all exactly um but yeah
1: hmm. that's kind
3: of the route we're
2: thinking yeah point of dxc not trying to create vegan consumers but rather trying to create people that are standing up for what they believe in
1: Mm -hmm. and more aware
2: and are more aware
1: yeah right i like it a lot um All right. Well, we've got a couple minutes until our first break. Um, When we get back, we'll we'll continue the conversation. I'd like to um, share a little bit from a paper that my son wrote about the topic and um, get your responses on that. So uh, until we return, I'm Lisa Ota, and you're listening to Sacred Exploration. We'll Be right back with my guest, Riley Gardeen, who is a rising nutritionist with the undergraduate nutrition program at UC Berkeley, and Robin Housley with the Direct Action Everywhere movement. Thank you so much for being here. We'll be right back.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: We have relationships with people in our lives, but arguably our relationship with food is the most intimate, dynamic, and enduring of them all. You can nourish your relationship with food and the planet. Purchase your copy of The Sacred Art of Eating, Healing Our Relationship with Food, written by Lisa Tremont Oda. A registered dietitian, nutritionist, and shamanic soul coach, Lisa can help you heal your relationship with food. The Sacred Art of Eating is available on Amazon.com, SacredExploration.com, and ImperfectlyVegan.com. Do you remember your dreams? Not exploring your dream life is like receiving a gift but not opening it. Join Lisa Tremonota and Lisa Ferrer this April for an interactive workshop series that will help make your goals and dreams become results in your business and personal life. To register or to find out more, call 925-497-2529 or email sacredexploration at gmail.com. Space is limited in this highly interactive workshop series. So call today and learn how you can make your dreams come true. That's 925-497-2529. Or email sacredexploration at gmail.com. are listening to Sacred Exploration. To reach Lisa or her guest today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to sacredexploration at gmail.com. Now, back to the program.
1: Welcome back to Sacred Exploration. I'm your host, Lisa Tremont Ota, and I'm here today with Robin Housley, with Direct Action Everywhere, and Riley Gardine, also an animal activist and nutritionist in the making, graduating this May, yay. Well, I wanted to uh, share, my son, who is a freshman at USC, uh, wrote a paper for one of his classes called Time to Fill the Void in the Climate Change Discussion, and basically it's about the void which is addressing the fact that we are all eating animals. Well, not us three. We're not. <laughs> but many most people are. Mm-hmm. And um, so I just wanted to read a little bit. He said that the most difficult conversations are sometimes the ones that need to be had the most. A touchy topic is only touchy because the participants have an emotional investment in the matter being discussed. While many people have accepted climate change as one of the most pressing issues in modern times, It is often viewed as a consequence of things that are out of their control, such as the work of oil companies, large manufacturers, and even God. The media chooses to focus on these external contributing factors rather than bringing up concerns that challenge people to take personal responsibility. And I think that underscores so much of what we're talking about is that we have such power within every one of us and with the way we eat. And... um, that's what I really want to bring home to so many people is this message that we have a responsibility. We actually have an ability to respond to these situations by being an activist every day, really, in how we eat. I mean, I think we could, right, we can, we can volunteer every day by the way we eat. We can be an activist every day by the way we eat. And over the break, Robin, you had mentioned the term disruption. And I feel like that's what, my son Matthew is alluding to in this papers is mm-hmm. that people don't want to be have their their uh, fondness for meat eating or animal product eating disrupted mm-hmm. and that's what what you're doing with direct action everywhere is disrupting that yeah. feeling can you can you share with us maybe one of your favorite <laughs> <laughs> disruptive experiences
3: yeah so whenever we disrupt too I just want to mention real quick that we're disrupting you know like the system and like we don't go there to like point fingers at any individuals or like say that you know you're doing bad stuff. Like we're there to disrupt the system that has been put in place to normalize the violence towards the animals. And one of my favorite ones was actually a recent one. And we went to Utah. Uh, me and my friend Matt Johnson and John Frommeyer. And there was a turkey pardoning. So the governor was actually pardoning a turkey for Thanksgiving. And the CEO of Norbest Turkey which is one of the largest turkey farms in the United States, if not the world. Um, the CEO was there as well, his name was Matt Cook. And then the head of the Department of Agriculture and then Utah was there as well. And and a lot of people don't know as well that Utah, actually the third of the land of Utah is owned by animal or agriculture, which a lot of the food grown for agriculture is fed to the animals in animal agriculture. Um, so it's pretty much owned by animal agriculture and. You know, so much of it, like and so much land over the U.S. overall. Um, that's why I learned from going there. Um, and so I was doing videography and my two friends, Matt and John, were doing uh, the disruption itself. And it was very like I got there early and it was really like the way that they were. Hand- there was, They brought two turkeys. And just in case one of them wasn't feeling lively enough to be, you know, presentable on the news. They want the turkey to be
1: lively and then
3: kill it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Um, And there was like a guy like whacking one of their heads because they weren't like sitting up or anything and they were just kind of like drooping and like, you know, shying away from everybody and the guy came up and like grabbed his neck and was like slapping his face and I was just like watching I was just like, this is just so, like they're just treated like like a Walmart toy production line, like just tossed around and it's just horrible. Um, And so... And then as well, whenever they got the turkey to be on the table, I don't know if they gave them a sedative or something, or um, they were just putting their hand on him the entire time. But he was like rubbing their feathers and it was just that that alone, just knowing that like he was the head of the Department of Agriculture and he's just like petting an, an like one of the animals. I'm just like, get your hand Yeah, off.
1: I've got okay. the shivers actually. No.
3: Yeah. And so um, so it was very it was very different from any experience I had felt before, and I really felt like I was in the middle of, like, this is a horrible oppression that's happening, and, like, the people that are the, at the head of it are, like, standing right in front of me, and they're literally, to all these children, they are, uh, like, objectifying this turkey, and because there was you know, at least 70 children from a local school that were sitting there watching as well. And so Mm -hmm. I was doing the videography and the CEO, Matt Cook, was talking Mm -hmm. and uh, John and Matt came up and they basically said, hey, you know, we recently did an expose on the farms that CEO, Matt Cook, you know, owns. And we found that it's horrible and that we need to tell people the truth. Like there's children here, like we need to not be lying to them and like feeding them lies about what they're eating and putting inside their body. And, you know, John Fronmeyer then went and said, you know, show us all the barns because what he did was actually throw under the bus the farmer that we investigated because we did an investigation on his farm. And he was basically like on the news, you know, like, oh, that was just one bad farmer. You know, he, mm. he messed up. And so he turned it out to um, basically just by saving his corporation by throwing that farmer under the bus and making him look bad. And then mm-hmm. denying all these other things that we had found, like horrible chemicals. So we really felt like we needed to disrupt them. And we went out there really fast and it was really successful. And we got like, I think it was Time covered it, um, the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, Washington Post, and a couple other sources. But it was really successful and that was one of my favorite disruptions. Wow. Yeah.
1: Well, that's it, isn't it? It's about, uh, I think we're also blind and in denial because we, people just go to the store and purchase it already packaged. They don't
2: have to witness the blood or the, bludgering or any of it well it's so intentional i mean we're socialized to believe that that's just how the world works and that's what we're supposed to eat
1: right and that's what we're supposed to eat right protein Mm -hmm. getting you know animal protein it's so Mm -hmm. much better for
2: you it's not heavy advertising into that the meat and dairy egg industries have a lot of money and they push really hard to get people to buy products that if they really thought about it they might not actually want to buy
1: Right. And true confessions here from a nutritionist, imperfectly perfectly vegan nutritionist. So Thanksgiving was a tough one for me this yeah. year because, I mean, and it has been in recent years, too. And I sort of uh, rationalized it a little bit because, you know, I've got about 20 to 30 people sometimes in my house for the holiday. And with everyone sharing one turkey It felt at least a little bit more ceremonial people are celebrating the turkey they're honoring it in a certain way and it's it's kind of more like a tribal time where everyone's partaking together Mm -hmm. Um, but where it really breaks down for me is thinking about every house across the country Mm -hmm. that has a turkey like even maybe sometimes the people that might come to my house might go home and prepare their own turkey so that they can have leftovers. And when I think about the incredible numbers of turkeys that are being slaughtered for this daily event, which at the end of the day, if you don't eat turkey, guess what, it's still a great time. On So what it was so hard for me that when it came around to New Year's, I told everyone, we do a dining extravaganza every year here and it's a lot of fun. And I said, uh-uh, no, no prime rib this year. no No, we're doing a vegan. New Year's and it was wonderful of course Mm -hmm. I knew it would be but you know I asked the different people whom to whom it might matter like you know how was your New Year's Eve did you miss out at all because you didn't have prime rib or whatever it might have been nobody cared Mm -hmm. of course not we're playing games we're having fun we're listening to music and dancing we're cooking all kinds of wonderful foods we were stuffed by the end of the night (laughs) and not like a turkey Um, so I think that's, again, where the power for each one of us to assume our own personal responsibility and not to diminish it like, oh, it's just me. It's just one person who's eating turkey. It's not a big enough effect. It is. It absolutely is.
2: Totally. Yeah. That's. I went vegan, you know, six years ago. Now my entire immediate family is vegan. You know, they realized that it was more important to spend time with each other doing things where we were all comfortable. And once they were able to do that, they understood wow, you know what? There's a reason why you're vegan and I understand and I want to, you know, be a part of that compassion and then we can, you know, have compassionate holidays together where we enjoy delicious vegan food. That's it, compassion. That's when I had that image of being pregnant with the earth. It was about
1: compassion for the earth. And uh, one of my recent guests, Will Tuttle, I'm Mm -hmm. sure you're familiar Mm -hmm. with, Mm -hmm. is an international leader on veganism and um, he, you know, really... Brought home a very good point, too, that, you know, right now what's happening in the mass media is all that we're talking about objectification of women. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, he said, as long as we're slaughtering animals and you use the term, Robin, objectifying Mm -hmm. the turkey Mm -hmm. there on stage, we're going to do that to each other. And I just the parallel there is really quite clear. Um, And we, we really need to stop judging the value of our lives as being anything above the value of any other living sentient being.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, well, another thing that my son brought up in his paper <laughs> was, um, a, a, I don't know if you would call it a protest or what tier it was, but um, in Berkeley where, and you could probably describe it better than I, but where uh, in front of a small local butchery, people appeared to be naked. They weren't really naked, but correct wore like clothing that were they no no (laughs) so and and then covered themselves with blood and, and made the sounds of wailing pigs in the background to get the butcher to stop well not to stop serving it but to at least put up a sign saying that animals should be protected let's see what did he say it was um to put up a sign that said, attention, animals' lives are their right. Killing them is violent and unjust, no matter how it is done. Now, my son brought up the point, however, that people who don't want to give up meat might look at something like that and say, hey, that's just really unfair. This is a small local butchery. I don't want to support veganism when when people are doing things like that. Mm -hmm. How how do you see that? And what would be your response?
3: Well, for me, I feel like Whenever anybody is, especially whenever walking across a protest and they're having to come up with rationalizations um, in regards to their own beliefs after seeing that, a lot of times they'll just go for the defense method of blaming, oh, like you should be doing this. And then they kind of like a minor control over the situation as Mm -hmm. if they have some control over that situation. And so a lot of people will say, you know, we'll go to corporate stores and they go, you know, go to the slaughterhouses. And then we go to the slaughterhouses and the slaughterhouse people are like, go to the grocery stores. And it's like, I think nobody just wants to talk about what's going on. I don't think the tactics and placement is wrong at all. It's just the it's a like you said it's very hard conversation people to have but it's one right and then if
1: they're turning it on you it's just again because they don't
2: want to own it Mm -hmm. themselves what what they're doing the -hmm, the focus is being placed on these protests um instead of the real violence that is happening which is happening to animals inside all of these slaughterhouses and factory farms
3: Mm -hmm. right and a big reason we did the the um, the butcher, the local butcher shop was because they were actually holding a class, like a pay-for class on how to butcher animals. Oh. So it wasn't just that they were selling the animal products, but they were actually teaching people how to disembody the dead bodies of innocent animals. Mm-hmm. So.
1: I don't know if it's A Course in Miracles or the Urantia book, but one of them says, "It's." I think it's A Course in Miracles, that the defense is inversely proportional to the truth. And... So that makes sense. Like, if uh, if somebody doesn't want to really see or hear what the protesters mm-hmm. are saying, they're being defensive because they don't want to hear the truth. Yeah, it's like O.J. Simpson. That's that my biggest example of that. When I think about the de- the huge defense that he had, mm-hmm. yeah. because we
2: know the truth. Yeah. yeah, I think a big thing on actions like that too are trying to dispel because uh, butcher shops like that versus. Your local grocery store or McDonald's claim that the animals that they're slaughtering were treated with care and were butchered humanely. And part of our message is Is there any humane way to kill somebody that doesn't want to die? Well, that's a good question. What about the people
1: who raise their own chickens to lay eggs to eat the eggs?
2: Or how do you? For people like that, for example, chickens naturally lay about 12 eggs a year they've been bred to produce over 300 a year and that actually depletes so many nutrients from their bodies. That that, would be the factory farmed ones. um, Which is also a lot of chickens that people are now buying are all coming from the
3: same hatcheries. I see. Over the the time, mm -hmm. they've been uh, filled with hormones and stuff that they've actually breeded to the point where there's not really any wild turkeys or wild chickens anymore. You know, it's really hard to find them unless you like maybe go to certain parts of the world, but Mostly mm-hmm. you go you go to a store around or like um, some kind of shop that sells you know live chickens They're just it's all the same you know
1: mm-hmm. so. I wonder if, if people could realize what impact eating an animal that's been shocked and goes into rigor mortis under suffering mm-hmm. the energy that then they're consuming into their own bodies mm-hmm. you know I, I wonder if that would make a difference if for, for the people who only want to look at themselves like how is this impacting me like we talked about our health mm-hmm. like some people that'll be their primary initial maybe not always primary but at least their initial reason for for going plant-based mm-hmm. you know i'm just trying to explore like maybe if they could recognize how it's going to impact them mm-hmm. negatively maybe yeah. that Make a difference
2: I, I actually had a therapist once whose husband had come to her saying he had a lot of anxiety and she told him to stop eating meat because of all of you know the adrenaline that these animals are going the hormones. through they're so scared you know right before they're about to be killed and could be totally anecdotal don't know if there's science behind it but he felt better less anxious after consuming you know these meat products so there might actually be something to it
1: mm-hmm Yeah, the man who created food, not bombs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you call his name offhand? No, Mm -hmm. me neither, not offhand. But um, his initial thing was that when he was a child, he lived on a farm and his father gave him um, one of those incubators where you put the eggs under a heat lamp and then they, you know, uh, hatch Mm -hmm. eventually. And then, but what happened is there was too many of them. And so his father made him kill like Ten of them at one point in time. Mm-hmm. And he said that when he killed them all, the other farm animals cried for about a week. Oh. Just, yeah. And, and that led him to create food, not bombs. Which I didn't realize was a, was vegan. Mm-hmm. Yep. I did, yeah. So that was really, yeah, very interesting as well.
2: Animals experience those emotions. Right.
1: Why wouldn't they? Right. So
2: yeah. Amazing how we cut ourselves off from that. So imagine being an animal, not only you know getting killed in this slaughterhouse, but watching all your friends and family meet yeah. their death. That's yeah. got to be really stressful and traumatic.
3: Yeah. It's just as just as if I were to see my family members or my friends being slaughtered, it's the same feeling.
1: And in terms of the climate, like I I make annual trips recently to Australia and, you know, they're known for their grass fed beef and um, you could just see the deforestation. I mean, about 90, 90 something percent of the forests are gone due to cattle raising. It's just flat. And, um, you know, so some of these uh, cattle companies will boast that their animals can graze for miles and miles. But what is it doing to the environment? Yeah killing it it's horrible yeah um i believe it's time for another commercial break time sure is going fast so um we will be right back once again with riley gardine and robin housley talking about the sacred in animal activism i'm your host lisa tremont Ota. you're listening to sacred exploration
4: become our friend on facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america we have relationships
0: with people in our lives but arguably our relationship with food is the most intimate dynamic and enduring of them all you can nourish your relationship with food and the planet Purchase your copy of The Sacred Art of Eating, Healing Our Relationship with Food, written by Lisa Tremont Oda. A registered dietitian, nutritionist, and shamanic soul coach, Lisa can help you heal your relationship with food. The Sacred Art of Eating is available on Amazon.com, SacredExploration.com, and ImperfectlyVegan.com. Do you remember your dreams? Not exploring your dream life is like receiving a gift but not opening it. Join Lisa Trimond and Lisa Ferrer this April for an interactive workshop series that will help make your goals and dreams become results in your business and personal life. To register or to find out more, call 925-497-2529 or email sacredexploration at gmail.com. Space is limited in this highly interactive workshop series. So call today and learn how you can make your dreams come true. That's 925-497-2529 or email sacredexploration at
4: gmail.com.
0: to reach Lisa or her guest today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to sacredexploration at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Hey,
3: everybody. Welcome back to Sacred Exploration. Um, our host, Lisa, is out for temporarily for a few minutes. I'm Robin, and Riley are still here to talk with you all about animal rights, and we want to talk about how you can get involved in your local community, um on, online stuff that you can do, just multiple ways that you can reach out for the animals if you want to get um, involved and help with their liberation. Um, so, Riley, what would you say is one of the first things that you did um, you know going into the animal rights movement, just like the first activism you did?
2: Well, one thing I can say you can start with talking with your friends and family, start having conversations. A lot of what animal rights activism is, is honestly having conversations with other folks. And it's good practice to talk to your friends and family so you can learn how to have these conversations. Um, another way you can actually get involved in a DxE chapter, we're currently international. Uh, you can check out on the website, dxe.com see where your local chapter is and lots of these people are super friendly a lot of them have weekly meetups monthly potlucks Uh, there's just a great community for you if you're not ready to jump into activism just to simply be around other vegans who you know have a lot of the same thoughts as you and maybe you haven't been exposed to that before you feel like you're all alone as a vegan just knowing that you have that community and support there can be really helpful and really empowering uh, so that you can actually go out and start talking to
3: other folks. Totally. And, yeah, I would really press, too, as well, for, like, uh, one of the first actions would try to look for a, a save movement. Uh, you can go on their website as well and see if there's a chapter near you. But um, this is basically just bearing witness to animals that are about to go into the slaughterhouse. And so really making that connection and, like, showing them some some compassion that, you know, they've never felt from human hands or, uh, a human's voice, you know is really empowering for people and can make that connection to just you know keep on fighting for them and um, knowing that there's hope. and n- never know, potentially might even go to one where there'll be a rescued chicken or um, any other wide range of animals. Um, I know LA pig save is really big. Um, I really want to go to that one haven't been there yet. But yeah.
1: Thank you. And I would like to invite our listeners too, to get more involved in the imperfectly vegan movement. You can. Mm-hmm. Follow us on Imperfectly Vegan Facebook and also Instagram, Sacred Exploration, because this show is about exploring the sacred and various topics, but within every show, I bring in an imperfectly vegan moment. So today's show is obviously centered around that topic itself, but in every show, because this issue is so important for so many reasons, we try to bring it home. So that's another place where you can explore. Um, One of the things again with young people that I've noticed is if they, if they again if they go on a field trip to a to a farm factory or they witness something around animals that seems to really shift their thinking and they go home and tell their moms that they're vegan now and their moms mm-hmm. go ah, what am I going to do um, another way is it seems that watching documentaries whether about the harmful health impact of animal foods or the environment or animal cruelty all of them documentaries uh, seem to bring it home to people also quite vividly Mm -hmm. um has that been your experience
3: as well yeah um one of my favorite documentaries um well i started off watching many when i very first went vegan and even before i went vegan in regards to societal structures economic structures um but one on youtube it's actually only eight minutes long and it's really informational it's called the lie we live um and there's a guy named named Spencer, and he made this video, um, just exposing like what what are we doing in our daily lives? And he he really mentions um, animal agriculture, and because eating we do it three times a day on average, and that's a huge thing. So um, yeah, go check it out if you want. The, the lie. lie we live. The lie we live. Yep. On YouTube. On YouTube.
1: Okay, yep. do you have a favorite documentary on the subject?
2: See, there are so many documentaries on various aspects of veganism, whatever you're looking for. Um, if you're interested about the environment, Cowspiracy is an awesome one. Excellent. Just to show the huge impact that diet actually has on your carbon footprint mm-hmm. and how much of an impact that the meat industry has on climate change and global warming that a lot of people aren't talking about and aren't allowed to talk about.
1: And Studying as a senior at UC Berkeley, mm-hmm. studying
2: nutrition, how many of the nutritionists themselves are vegan? So absolutely none of the, <laughs> the nutrition professor professors are vegan um, at all.
1: Isn't it interesting? The same was yeah. true when I was a student 30 years ago. <laughs> um, and part of that is because you've got the USDA influence and the Dairy mm-hmm. Council influence yeah. on education, even so at UC totally. Berkeley, yeah. it's really disheartening. And I mean, I was a complete victim of it. You could say uh, I worked for a project called Project Lean, which stood for Low Fat Eating for America Now. And basically, it was what a more enlightened mm-hmm. uh, uh, colleague of mine would call. She she would always say to me, oh, you're working for that meat project. And basically, it was... Uh, an attempt by the USDA to sort of trick people into thinking that if they choose chose lean cuts of meat, mm-hmm. that they would be healthier and, and doing a good thing. Hmm. But again, it's still meat. It's still meat. <laughs> it's still yeah. coming from the animal. Yeah. And you know, now I look back, far less naive than I was then, and I see what the heck it was going on. Um
2: think you realize, too, how much a lot of these government agencies are highly tied up with these industries, yeah. and, you know, they oftentimes serve those industries that are providing food that's really not very good for us.
1: Which, again, is, you know, I know I'm, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but hopefully a top hit, which is it comes down to us. So much of it is our individual choice that if enough people stop eating their product, they're going to they're going to start selling something else right yeah. i mean i guess i i just saw today on plant based news that domino's pizza is considering a vegan mm-hmm. option and yeah. that might be because their total pizza consumption or sales is down
3: yeah i and think yeah i think it's in finland right now or some northern european finland. country only but is it in the U.S. or not?
2: Finland, yeah. Finland. Where, What's going on? Where they have the new McVegan burger at McDonald's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to support
1: them in general, yeah. Yeah. but it's still a step in the right direction because I think it is again reflecting the fact that their total sales mm-hmm. are on the on the two all beef patties is yeah. probably down. They're struggling. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I've I have a little. Uh, special resentment against Domino's, though because on like a lot of their boxes they have mm-hmm. so much humane washing for the dairy industry and they've actually had a on the side of the box that actually say like how many cows there are and how many farmers there are in the U.S. and it was like you know all just one big happy family mm, there's right. a picture of a cow the happy and cow and the kind like, of concept just yeah. standing there as if you know nothing's wrong but if people actually saw what was going on it's like it's not a happy family it's a it's an abusive family, right? So, yeah.
1: exactly. <laughs> and Riley, um, what do you hear that a lot? People in defense of me eating, saying that they react differently. That they, their bodies just have to have has to have protein from animals. Oh, in nutrition, like mm-hmm. just people in general when they talk when approach you as a nutritionist, like
2: oh yes, totally. I hear that all the time. That their bodies were just designed to eat meat. That while other people are fine on plants. They don't feel well, mm-hmm. which a lot of that is probably psychological. Mm-hmm. Um, there are obviously variances in human bodies, but the majority of people will thrive, you know, eating whole foods, whole plant foods. They just don't know exactly what mm-hmm. to eat.
1: Well, and I think part of it is is people detoxifying. When people go yeah. on cleanses, because okay. we've got parasites in our bodies due to animal consumption. Yeah. And when people go on cleanses, they break out, they have gas. I mean, all the toxins have to come out of our body Mm -hmm. somehow. So they say, well, I'm breaking out. I did much better when I was eating meat. Well, if you just stick with it and get through the nasty part, uh, that's when the sun comes out and the skin clears
2: up and there's no more smelly waste, (laughs) Yeah. right? Your your sweat will smell so much better (laughs) once you get those products out of your body. Yeah.
3: My friend, my, I have a friend who's and He mm-hmm. only eats fruit. And he hadn't taken a shower for three weeks. And he actually lived at the encampment that I lived at uh, right next to me. And he would sweat. And he'd be like, hey, smell my armpit. And I'd be like, no, I don't want to smell my armpit. And he's like, dude, I promise you just smell it. And I'm like, and so I did it. And it smelled like fruit. It literally smelled Ooh, like a mix sweet. of like pineapple, watermelon. And I was like. He's like I haven't taken a shower in 3 weeks. Wow. He's like cuz that's what his yeah. entire body was was made of. was fruit and it smelled good. And so whenever you don't have like oil as well can cause and like deep fried stuff, obviously there's you can eat really unhealthy as a vegan. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever you do eat really healthy, good, just massive effects that are so good for you.
1: Right. And that would be one of the things that important for you as a nutritionist too is the people who maybe want to protect the animal rights. And so they become junk food vegans just because they don't know how. So that's a really excellent service to educate people on how to eat plants and thrive better than ever. Well, we have just a couple minutes until closing. Is there anything that either of you would like to share with our audience before we end?
3: Um. I would just say if you're um, debating on whether or not you would want to enthrall yourself into the animal rights movement, I would say definitely go for it in whatever way that you can. Because I was really afraid whenever I first started and I was really nervous. But then once I started talking to people and like having good conversations, like I just felt more empowered every time I did something Mm -hmm. that either changed somebody's mind and I I would like go home and be like, you know, that person is now going home thinking about it, potentially going vegan, they I for sure planted a seed in their head yes um to what's going on in animal agriculture and just doing that and like knowing that you know you're changing other people's lives around you and then ultimately working to change the system that we live in it's just so rewarding emotionally and just volunteerism itself is really rewarding and you know beautiful an awesome thing for people to do so thank you definitely say go for it Riley any
2: closing remarks kind of going off Robin said I think anytime you're doing something that's greater than yourself you know you're not only helping those who you're trying to help you're helping yourself and you're feeling so much better at the end of the day so you know when you are choosing what you're going to eat think about you know am I eating this for myself am I eating this for others and there's the possibility that you can do both at the same time. You can eat foods that are awesome for you, that are going to make you feel great, that are also not going to contribute to, you know, the 60 plus billion animals that are suffering every year.
1: Right. Well, you both are so articulate on the subject and young and vital. And I'm so appreciative of what you're both doing out there to create a better world
2: for, for all of us, Thank animals you. especially. So thank you for being here today. And thank you for your Imperfectly Vegan showing people that it's not all or nothing. You know, you do what you can. Mm.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Next week, we're going to be talking with Andrea Lieberstin, who is also a registered dietitian nutritionist, and her book called Well Nourished. And we'll be talking about mindful eating, which I think is so interesting in the context of um, veganism. If someone really mindfully ate some meat, it might just change their mind. (laughs) So with that, we will conclude. I'm Lisa Tremont Ota. You're listening to Sacred Exploration. May the week ahead bring you many blessings.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in today for Sacred Exploration with Lisa Tremont Ota. Be sure to listen to our program again next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time and 5 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Enjoy your week.